Hello, thank you for tuning in to Zeroing In on Sustainability from Grosvenor, Britain and Ireland. This episode is part two of our Bringing Our Partners With Us special, focusing in on the fourth and final pillar of our sustainability goals. I'm James Manning and I'm joined by my co-host Eve Bellas. Hi Eve, how are you? Hi James, looking forward to this one today. So suppliers are just such an integral part of our business. And this also means that we can't achieve our sustainability goals without them. So to bring our partners with us, we employ tools such as our supply chain charter, which we ask all of our suppliers to adhere to, and science-based targets, SBTs, which are emission reduction targets set by businesses that are aligned with the latest climate science. Exactly, Eve. So science-based targets are really important to make sure we are taking effective action against climate change. Our ambition is ultimately to have all our suppliers signed up to these targets by 20. Therefore, today, we'll be zeroing in on one of our suppliers who actually already has an SBT, International Construction Contractors Multiplex. In 2019, Multiplex became the first construction contractor in the world to sign the World Green Building Council's Net Zero Carbon Building Commitment, which will ensure all their buildings that they develop and create are operating with net zero status by 2030. We are really looking forward to speaking with Tushant Suri, Head of Sustainable Design and Energy at Multiplex, who will be helping us to understand what it takes to develop a sustainable building and how they approach sustainability within the industry at Multiplex. Hello, Tushant. Hi, Eve. Nice meeting you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Really excited to chat with you. So just to kick off, I guess, can you explain for our listeners a little bit about what a science-based target actually is and why did you decide to commit to one? Thanks, James. Science-Based Targets is an initiative that enables organizations plan their greenhouse gas emission trajectory to prevent the worst effect of climate change in accordance with the climate science and the IPCC reports. So that's the initiative, the why. The built environment is responsible for 38% of global carbon footprint. Quite a lot. <laughs> Huge. Mm. Which means the construction industry must play a key role in tackling climate emergency. As a leader in the construction industry, our goal is to use our position of influence to maximize positive impact we have on the carbon reduction and climate change. As a business, we're committed to empowering our supply chain and our clients to join us on a journey of net zero carbon by adopting an evidence-based and a science-driven approach to decarbonization. I'm just interested in what sort of lessons you've learned throughout the process of setting that science-based target. The lessons learned are three for us. Data, collaboration, and cultural change. Data is a key enabler in transitioning towards net zero. It helps decision makers to identify the key focus areas and subsequently channelize investments and initiatives to maximize the impact. Collaboration, the second one, as stated before, built environment contributes to 38% of the global carbon footprint. And while being on the journey of low carbon business over the last eight years, what we've realized is early collaboration in the sector is key. Collaboration between the clients, principal contractors, subcontractors, and the value chain at an early design is instrumental to decarbonize the built environment. The third is cultural change. At Multiplex, we've recognized that we cannot achieve net zero alone in the next 10 years. And thus, we launched a cultural change program based on three key pillars, educate, empower, and engage with our people, our clients, and our supply chain together to go on that journey and create a positive impact. Fantastic. What sustainability means to us in general 
over the last eight years is what we've realized is it's just operational efficiencies. For example, in case we work with a client to retain an existing structure and reduce the embodied carbon footprint, it also is a share reduction in cost. The same goes for operational building performance efficiencies. As the efficiency goes up, the operational perform- the cost drops down. And thirdly, exactly the same analogy fits in with waste. The less you waste, the better your margins. It's that, I mean, that's definitely contrary to, I think, what a lot of people view sustainability as even now, that it's an additional cost, it is an additional burden on an organization. It sounds like you've found that through really committing to being more sustainable, to reducing your carbon footprint, you've actually been able to reduce costs. Is that fair to say? Precisely, yes. I would say it definitely aligns with a very strong business case, uh, especially when you look at it from a life cycle cost lens. It aligns perfectly. And how do you decide where to target first? I think us as an organization at Grosvenor, there are so many things you can go after, waste, biodiversity, carbon. We're trying to tackle lots of them. But obviously, as a team, sustainability team, we have a limited capacity. And as an organization, to a certain extent, there's a limit to how much you can educate, inform, empower people to do everything all at once. You've got to try and prioritize. Yes. Did that play a part in your decision to go for science-based targets or more of a carbon focus? Or have you tried to tackle other things before that? We've obviously tried to tackle other aspects of sustainability as well. Social sustainability, the just transition effect, mm-hmm. and the positive impact that you create on communities is equally material to us as a business, as, as carbon. And we've been focusing on that as well. Having said that, I think from a carbon perspective, the data has been a guiding force. And subsequently, after committing to the science-based targets, in 2021, we've released One Decade to Act, our, our Net Zero Carbon Pathway, which focuses on five goals. And those five goals are have been derived based on data. Uh, it includes net zero emissions for our scope one and scope two emissions, which are really minimal, but those are the elements where we have a direct impact and influence on. From a scope three perspective, close to 95% of our emissions come from two key sources. One is embodied carbon and the other is operational performance of the buildings that we design and hand over. So that's helped us narrow down our focus. But even when it comes to collaboration with the supply chain, again, it's a very evidence-based approach that we've adopted. Close to 80% of our embodied carbon comes from 12 subcontractor of ours. So initially, when, when we started drafting out these targets, it was pretty challenging, the thought of getting entire supply chain on the journey. But when you start utilizing data for decision-making, we've realized in our experiences, it actually helps you focus down. So yes, it would have been tough to get 100 subcontractors practice on the journey, but it's relatively easier to get 12 of them, mm-hmm. collaborate with them, help them, support them, educate them, make them realize on the transitional and physical risk associated with climate change. The strong business case that sits today with sustainability and, and they come on the journey. I think a lot of our inspiration is drawn from Mark Carney, who's the vice chair for Brookfield and, and the head of Brookfield Impact Fund. Yeah. And he suggested that sustainability and net zero is the biggest opportunity for businesses in today's world. And we're just riding on the wave while creating a positive impact. It's fantastic. And I think it's such a valuable lesson for anyone who's trying to become a more sustainable business is that prioritization using that data as a powerful tool to focus what you're doing and make it more manageable and and easier to tackle. You mentioned your supply chain and those sort of top suppliers that you're speaking with and engaging with. Can you give us a bit of an idea of how do you go about that engagement? What are some of the practical steps that you're taking? You mentioned business case and communicating that. What other things are you doing with them? Sure. So Sustainability is embedded at multiplex. I think 
from a corporate point of view, whenever we're engaging with our supply chain, sustainability and, and them coming on the journey forms a key aspect of the decision. And then on a project level, obviously, through the contractual mechanisms, through the various meetings, we try to engage with them as much as possible to create the positive impact. But having said that, I think culturally, we understand that just having these as contractual obligations is not the right thing. Mm -hmm. You need to collaborate, see them as partners rather than just a contractual engagement. So we actually partner with our subcontractors, with their sustainability teams, understand what are their challenges and address them. A lot of times that can be a leadership approval that they're seeking. And, and that's where we loop in our leadership to have a conversation. A lot of times they struggle with the data. So we help them draft their data structure, their data capture strategy, and then subsequently help them validate their targets. Great. Fantastic. So we utilize our experience while committing to the SBTIs and just share the goods, the bads, et cetera. I think that's so important as well, especially for suppliers or anyone at the start of their sustainability journey to know that it's not something that there are experts in of many years. A lot of people are working it out as we go along. So do you just think that partnership is the most important thing for someone starting at the, you know, the very start of their journey? Partnership is key, I think, not just with the subcontractors, with the clients as well. So as Multiplex, we are a very partnership, a very collaboration-based organization. Having said that, I think from a supply chain point of view, a lot of times we've experienced that it gets overwhelming for the supply chain. I think the thought of going on a decarbonization journey gets a bit too much for them. But then just helping them understand that it's not that tough. Just a few simple meetings always help. And, and that's what I experience is. And that's what we try and do. Yeah. And understanding that, you know, it actually could be a cost saving. It doesn't have to be capital heavy to start making sustainable changes. I think in today's world, the way things are transitioning, the world realizing that the impact of climate change is real. Your science-based target initiatives or your net zero carbon strategies, I think it's beyond just creating an environmental impact. It's now about building your business resilience. It's about evolving and future-proofing organizations against the rapidly evolving policy and legislative frameworks associated with carbon. Now, that can be EV vehicles being mandated in London 2030 onwards. That can be a climate change levy. It can be a demand change levy. It can be the UK ETS scheme. So the legislation is evolving at a very rapid pace and you've got a future-proof business organization. So I think there's a very strong business case and and it's just the leaderships to understand that and which they are they acknowledge it they recognize it and they're keen to go on the journey are there any other sort of sustainable innovations that you utilize on site and could just tell us a little bit about yeah basically our theory is that the impact of our scope one and scope two emissions which is pretty much on-site emissions is low but it it gives us a great opportunity to pilot technologies and then having the confidence and then going to the grovenets and pitching it to be integrated into permanent buildings. So way beyond just the power purchase agreements and on-site renewables, there are multiple technologies that we're looking at piloting over the next six to 12 months. These include hydrogen generators. So we've been closely working with a few of the leading companies globally in understanding the technology, the risk, and the opportunities associated with the use of green hydrogen to power a construction site over the last 12 months. So we're pretty confident it aligns with all of these aspects. The tech works, there's a very, very, very strong business case associated with these. 
So the second opportunity that we will be implementing in the next six to 12 months on our construction sites is a semi-decentralized source of power. Uh, traditionally, construction sites have been reliant on the grid or diesel generators to power their sites. We see a huge opportunity to understand the working of batteries and fuel cells, which means that one of our construction sites in the next 12 months would be partially powered by batteries, and those batteries would be recharged through on-site renewable energy system. So it's not just a function of reducing your scope one, scope two, or scope three emissions. It's also how uh, you're trying to create a positive impact in the communities that we're operating in. Uh, the national grid is stretched, and I think it's every leading organization's responsibility to support that. Yeah, and I think definitely driving that innovation and giving companies the opportunity to try some of those really exciting products. The only way we're going to be able to solve this crisis is ultimately yes. by by collaborating and, and trying to do things in a different way. And you're not always going to be successful. There's going to be moments when you fail, but actually having a go and doing something a little bit different and seeing what the outcome is, is absolutely essential. And it's great that you're doing it. It is. And it also enables in sending out a market demand which subsequently, again, just catalyzes um, innovation. No, I completely agree. And speaking of demand, obviously, Grosvenor is is a client of yours, and we have a certain demand and expectations. And we communicate that largely through our supply chain charter, but also through some of our own net zero commitments. How did our supply chain charter and our commitments impact your approach as a business to tendering with Grosvenor? Since March 2021, we've been closely working with Grovenez on exploring alternate low-carbon materials to reduce the embodied carbon footprint to 65 Davis Street. The second is collaborating with a supply chain to implement closed-loop schemes for a number of materials. Third is offering a 90% reduction on on-site emissions. It's going to be the first site for us is multiplex, where we would not be using any red diesel. So it's going to be a red diesel-free site. Also through the life cycle of the project, we're also keen to leverage a unique relationship with Brookfield Renewables on potentially offering a power purchase agreement with additionality to Grovenez to power 65 Davis Street over the next 25, 30, 40 years. Fantastic. Some exciting stuff in the pipelines for sure. Indeed. Wonderful. And on zeroing in on sustainability, we always like to ask our guests if you could ask someone to be do one thing to be more sustainable, what would it be? Whether that's in personal life or within uh, construction. Collaboration. Early collaboration is key for success. So working together as much as possible. Working together and creating a positive impact together. Because I guess historically, businesses, it's, it's, it can be a competitive environment. Everyone's trying to make a profit. Actually, sustainability is a real opportunity. We have to work together if we're going to solve this. And it's a real opportunity to come together and, and try different things, try new new approaches and work together to hopefully achieve a more sustainable future. Yes, and a cleaner future. And a cleaner future, for sure.